Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss hedging your emotets, large number of emotet infections dismantled globally. Next up, the root of all evil, a now fixed pseudo vulnerability. And finally, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 74, recorded on February 1st, 2021. I'm your co-host Kelsey, living life in the sass lane, LaBelle, with me co-host Chad, an emo tete-a-tete Anderson, and last, but certainly not least, Tim, I'm just a pseudo-intellectual helming. Wow, what an, what an intro. I think we should just call it a day. I don't think anything's going to get better than that. And thank you yeah. for joining us for this episode of Breaking Badness. <laughs> Cue the <laughs> exit music. <laughs> uh, it's not like anything happened this last week, though, right? It's pretty. Another boring week in InfoSec. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> this might be the first time in a while, though, that we are not talking about sunburst slash solar winds, though. So that is. Yay. Case. <laughs> oh, it's over. Didn't you hear? It's all cleared up. Everything's oh, fine. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah, good. Good. That's good. done. <laughs> Well, let's start with our first article today, which is hedging your emotets. Um, so a multitude of emotet infections have been dismantled globally, while authorities have taken NetWalker's dark web leaks site offline and charged a suspect. So we've had a few, you know, we'll call them wins that we've reported over the past few weeks. And um, Chad, I think more importantly, it's been a long time since we had, we've had a Chad Anderson history lesson special. So mm. Yeah. Hmm. If only we did a, the drunk DNS version, though. We'll have to get to that one day. Um, <laughs> but it's been forever since we've done, you know, your history lesson special. So can you brief our audience on the history of Emotet malware? Yeah. Uh, so Emotet is a strain of malware that's about to originate from Russian cyber criminals. Uh, and they first showed up around uh, 2014. Um Maybe something before, no, 2014. But uh, it's typically delivered through malicious email attachments, you know, maldocs. Um, and there's some sort of, you know, uh, macro that um, begins that whole wonderful process for you. Uh, it's been just about everywhere. Uh, it's super prolific. They've used lures for just about everything. Um, Emotet is just something that is constantly bombarded in boxes for a very long time and a super professional strain of malware if uh if we can put it that way but uh, some people call it hyodo as well you might mention you might see that uh depending upon the av vendor that you use but uh emotet started out as a banking trojan that was just out there stealing credentials the usual thing you know um get banking credentials siphon off money um, but then shifted a few years down the road to being a loader uh, and what that is is you know a initial infection malware that then allows for pulling down other payloads so this led them to be running that kind of uh, malware as a service um, botnet where they would deliver payloads for others. And that's where we started seeing Emotet deliver TrickBot, QBot, um, and others, which of course uh, later on led to, you know, Ryuk ransomware and other things like that. So um, it's kind of the door to opening up um, a ton of networks around the world as Emotet gets in and then uh, sells that access. I have to say, I think this is just a Taco Bell commercial that went terribly wrong. I mean, this whole live 
Moss malware as a mm. service. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, that's that's fantastic. If I ever turn to the dark side, um, my Yokiero botnet is going <laughs> to crush. It's just going to crush. Well, Chad, will you also tell our audience about the burrito? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic new invention. It is a small tote just for keeping burritos warm. It can keep a burrito warm for up to a day. Uh, this is not an advertisement, but if burrito, you do hear this, I will take a free burrito for evaluation. Is there uh, is there an adapter kit to let it carry a soft taco? Mm, that's a great question. I, I don't believe there is. Um, yeah, the taco tote is coming, I would hope. The taco tote. Oh my gosh. I, you know, when we do get to see each other in person, human not human again, I would love to see you just owning a burrito. I'll be very disappointed if that's not the case. I feel like I could use one as a regular day bag. Like there's no reason that you <laughs> like need it just for burritos. Like it's there when the burrito is ready, but otherwise you can throw your phone and wallet in there. Watch out, Utilikill. There is a burrito <laughs> on the horizon. Um, wow. Okay. Well, if anybody wants to share, if they happen to have a burrito, please at Piffy, AKA chat on Twitter, because I would like to see one of these. <laughs> this is a think tank. That's what this podcast really is. Mm -hmm. And I always leave very hungry. I don't know why. <laughs> well, Chad, getting back to the article in the intro, I also mentioned NetWalker. So I'm curious if you could also provide some background on this ransomware. Uh, yeah. So NetWalker sounds really cool. Um, for starters, it's a great name, uh, but it's a wait, 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 wait. Some, what's you know what they should call it the hmm. walking net. <laughs> oh, nice, good, good, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I now all I can see is like Rick when he uh, gives the talk to uh, his kid. I forget what his kid's name is, um, but that's basically me telling you about uh, ransomware right now. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but uh, NetWalker in early 2020, I think it was in March, they shifted from being like just a regular ransomware that was seemed to be run by one operator to this affiliate model. You know, you become like the Avon of uh, ransomware. So uh, this has been really profitable for a lot of groups. And they also shifted to doing the double extortion um, on their victims and brought up a double extortion website, right? So uh, the original author began recruiting people to spread the malware on cybercrime forums. Like I was saying, it's kind of multi-level marketing affiliates, you uh, you know, the Herbalife of ransomware. Um, and as is usual with these sorts of things, it's no uh, cis country based companies were allowed to be targeted. So, you know, it's the Commonwealth of Independent States, it's Russia, Ukraine, you name it. Um, so, uh, NetWalker has been pretty high profile in the number of victims that it's had, uh, around 200, uh, in 2020, I believe, or maybe 150 was closer to what it was. Um, but one of the big ones was Michigan state university who, um, very famously did not pay, um, props to them for that. Uh, but we should note also as well here that, um, the authorities didn't take down NetWalker itself, but just the leak site that they were using for double extortion and then arrested a, I believe he was a Canadian national down in Florida who was one of the affiliates. So it's not entirely offline um, from what I understand. Mm, yeah, that's, that's an important thing to note. Mm -hmm. One less Florida man to worry about. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, Canadian, can, Canadian, Canadian, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he just came down. And, like, he is it just like that people who move to Florida are just like naturally made to be a Florida man? They're just like attracted to the place. It's like a magnet for the kind of human being that's going to get into a Florida man story. It's probably a real nature versus nurture debate <laughs> to be had about that. Yeah. <laughs> also, on this whole affiliate program, Avon train of thought, I have to ask, can we create like a pyramid scheme of pain? Um, oh, great and... idea. <laughs> I think that needs to exist. That's a graphic that doesn't exist on the internet, but should. Mm. Um, yeah. We're officially crowdsourcing it. Yeah, yeah, send it to us on Twitter. <laughs> well, now that you've caught up the audience on both NetWalker and Emotet, um, can you tell us a little bit more about this this victory of dismantling Emotet's endpoints? What do we know about this effort and who's been done doing this dismantling? Yeah, so this dismantling was coordinated by Europol um, and about a dozen countries, um, one of which was Lithuania, which you may have remembered. They had their National Health Service taken out by um, Emotet in December, I believe. So it was super recently. So apparently uh, they pissed off someone enough there that they uh, decided to make that a priority. Uh, but the takedown allowed them to do a few things. So one was seizing some physical infrastructure from a apartment raid they did in the Ukraine. Um, that video is out there. It's kind of interesting. And another was taking over the botnet itself um, uh, and then redirecting victims to infrastructure that was owned by the authorities. Um, and then the third bit was they injected a code into or injected some code into Emotet itself um, that's going to have it, I believe, is delete itself April of 2021. Um, so there's still time to take over the botnet, you know, yourself if you want to be opportunistic. Um, but please don't. I just want the emails to stop. Uh, but uh, altogether, it's like a pretty Herculean effort um, and took down probably the most prolific and professional botnet that's out there. So um, I, I really did think that Emotet was just like a thing to stay, uh, kind of like the common flu um, or maybe COVID at this point. Um, and then I would just be seeing Emotet emails for years to come. So I'm kind of happy to have it slow down a bit. I actually have, you know, in a lot of my virus total hunting rules, I purposefully throw out um, Emotet infections when I'm uh, looking for things um, out there. And it's, kind of funny just to see that all fade away fade away that sounds nice well you you also mentioned this the infrastructure i'm curious if you can provide any more information on what infrastructure was seized by authorities and how the infrastructure was used by the folks at the emotet the emotet llc um no <laughs> one's in trouble because it was limited liability <laughs> but um so they uh yeah, they seized a number of administration servers, from what I understand, like a, like hundreds from around the world, or maybe dozens. Um, anyways, a large number, enough servers that they would have to be um, administered, hopefully, uh, automatically with Ansible or something instead of by hand. But who knows? Um, reason I say who knows is because they raided an apartment in the Ukraine. Uh, and if you watch the video 
uh, it'll make you feel a lot better about your work at home desk setup. Uh, there was like no case on one of the machines. There's just like a soldering iron, just like dangling from the wall. There's stuff everywhere. I, it was like a weird mix between some like uh, technical show uh like raid that would happen like on csi or something and then like hoarders came together so like it, a, it was something else a slowly turning fan with uh shadows you know through the dusty air yeah yeah uh it it was it was something else i really expected someone who's pulled in like i think they did like 30 million last quarter or something was the estimate it's like something really huge or maybe that was netwalker I think that might have been NetWalker, but either way, they're bringing in millions. Um, there should be a Rari park somewhere. I was surprised. Oh, Rari. <laughs> <laughs> um, so have any of these agencies associated with Operation Ladybird, which, side note, are they a fan of the film? Like, I want to know what inspired that. Uh, but have they made any public comments on this victory, essentially? Yeah, I hadn't brought up yet that it was called Operation Ladybird because I can't figure out why the hell they called it Operation Ladybird. Big but, fans of the former first lady. Yeah, oh yeah, maybe that, maybe. But uh, they they released a joint statement, um, but I haven't seen anything personally that came from the individual agencies. And I took a, a little check across a couple of their sites, but uh, you know, government sites are usually hard to find some sort of um, actual communique. Uh, so. I know the countries involved, like I was saying, have had some, like all of them have had a major uh, emotet infection. So I guarantee you they're celebrating, uh, maybe just not gloating a ton because uh, from the way that I understand it, it, it seems like they just got one of many operators and that maybe there were more um, is kind of how the press release read. But, you know, I also am not super familiar with how uh, the Emotet organization works, having not been involved in serious cybercrime um, outside of studying it. Uh, but uh, yeah, like I, I, I will find out more, I guess, see if that person caves and um, says who else is uh, an operator. Well, I guess then that, that leads to the question of what is the impact of this operation? Do we really know what this means or does it mean anything for the future of Emotet? Yeah, I guess so. You know, Having observed other uh, ransomware families get taken down, um, and other, or sorry, other botnet families be taken down, uh, I'm guessing that there are multiple operators, as like has been intimated in some of the articles. Uh, I'd say this is likely slowed, very unlikely that it's dead. I think that given the scope of the operation, right, that there's definitely, like I'm saying, someone out there still in the wild. Um, the apartment, again, in Ukraine, they raided didn't seem nice enough. And outside the large number of silver bars, um, it just felt like it wasn't someone, you know, living this high life as we've seen with other uh, Russian cyber criminals where like they get massive amounts of money, have a nice apartment, you know, like at least they're are living pretty swell. That place looked like kind of a dump. Maybe it was somewhere where they went to work, you know, and they just kind of hid some things there, but um, yeah, just all out all around. So I think, this will maybe stop Emotet for a little while. We'll probably see a drop off um, in 2021. If I had to guess, you know, maybe they're doing one of two things right now. Um, other people involved 
probably thinking it's time to write something new um, and take lessons learned and, and start up a new campaign since uh, it looks like everything's going to get deleted in April anyways. Um, and I don't even know if they can get their infrastructure back at this point. It doesn't look from the samples that I've seen that there's some uh, special way they could like take back over their botnet. Uh, so maybe they're looking at writing something new. Um, other thing is maybe they're saying like, well, this is a pretty good chance to retire. Uh, so just take the money and run. Um, had to be my guess. You think they're gonna pull the pull an usher and just let it burn? I I hope so. <laughs> I think it's an usher. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just I'm stuck back at the beginning of uh, of Chad's description of this apartment that got raided, and I'm I'm imagining the room raider uh, numbers for this one. You know, like two out of ten. Pretty poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely not an episode of MTV Cribs, right? <laughs> and and also this idea that like they they uh they were in this crappy apartment, so they're just gonna have to keep working harder. Like they they just they haven't arrived yet. <laughs> They've got more serious work ahead of them to yeah. get to that uh lifestyles of the rich and famous hackers uh world. Have there been any peeps? from the folks at Emotet, statements of sorts? You know, I haven't seen anything going around. Um, and I think it would have been pretty noisy if there was some other uh, operator that was being, uh, you know, cheeky on the dark web. I'm sure they're swearing in some corner of uh, some IRC chat room um, they don't have access to with their friends is by um, know how those uh, groups communicate. But yeah. Uh, not that I've seen, you know, nothing on telegram, nothing on, um, you know, any sort of dark forums. It's just been their, their PR firm might've gotten taken down too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, if I could go back in time and have a new aim persona, it would be cheeky on the dark web. 100%. Mm, che yeah. Cheeky on the dark web. It's good. <laughs> I've always kind of wished that, uh, if I could redo, my like handle again, you know, that I would pick something fun like that. Um, I don't know. It's stuck with Piffy now, I guess. It's never <laughs> too late to reinvent yourself, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. Hashtag inspired. Oh gosh. All right. Well, Tim, after you've heard and basically been in the room where it happened after Chad's description, what would you rate this at from that zero to 10 rating? I think... Well, I guess for this one, we would be on the goodie rating, right? Rather than the hoodie ratings. So how many goodies is this? How many uh, warm cookies? Yeah, how many warm cookies? So, you know, I I got to believe that, uh, uh, as Chad said, this is not the last we're going to hear from this crowd. Um, so I don't know if it's a strike me down and I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine type of deal. But I... Um, I think that this will ultimately, I think this is a good thing. Make no mistake about it. Um, how big a dent it will make in the global scourge of ransomware. I'm a bit skeptical. I don't know. I'm going to call it like five goodies um, and uh, I, out of 10. And that's no disrespect to the uh, all the work that went into this takedown. Uh, it's just a statement about... <laughs> how huge this problem is. Um, and even though this was a big component uh, or a big player worldwide, I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, there's 
there, there's going to be more probably from these same actors. And uh, certainly there's plenty more ransomware out there where this came from. Oh, indeed. And Chad, what, what would you think? Would you agree with that? You know, I'm just going to go high on the goodie scale right now. I'm just going to say 9 out of 10. I am not seeing as much um, Emotet junk filling all my like hunt rules or, you know, fishing things that come through or um, any other feeds that I get. I'm just like kind of happy for a little, a little lull. It was like when they took that five month break, like what was it back in 2019 or something? It was nice and quiet for a little bit. I like that. Chad, what was that score rating again? Is it eight? Do they sure. Eight? eight sounds great. I'm real agreeable on this one. <laughs> He's just a feeling good. Chad. He's just a panda doing somersaults down the hill right now. <laughs> oh, is there a video of that? Because I would like to watch that. That sounds adorable. I saw Kim? a video of a, uh, of a panda <laughs> going down a slide made of snow today. Oh, so that will, was uh, that was pretty nice. Thanks, internet. Thanks, internet. I um, I think that that sounds about on par with the other video of the golden retriever that or lab i'm not quite sure that runs into the stacks of leaves um oh that's a great set of videos yes the leaf jumps yeah Yeah. gosh anywho we're gonna take a hard right hand turn (laughs) to the root of all evil So a now-fixed pseudo-vulnerability allowed any local user to gain root privileges on Unix-like operating systems without requiring authentication. So I'd like to back up, Tim, before we really get into what's happened in the more recent recent weeks here and ask what pseudo is and how it's typically used and by who. Well, you know, first of all, I'm going to say that I think this is my opportunity to make an assertion here that... I think we're all saying this wrong. And and I've always kind of said sudo because it's super user do. It's uh it's a command that gives you godlike powers. The SU in it stands for super user. So it is uh a way that if you are logged into a Unix system without uh root privileges, um, which is generally what we want to see, right? Um, for users as well as uh processes. Uh, but as a user, you can't perform various kinds of commands unless you type sudo first and uh, unless you're one of the users that is authorized to use it. Sounds like this is a common case of subris. Ah, it is. Absolutely. It's how you express your subris. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it sudo from now on because that, that is a fine description. And so how does, how does it work then? So, um, yeah, so a moment ago, I mentioned that um, typically you don't want general users to log on as root or like the equivalent in Windows of having administrator uh, access, right? And that is because of the principle of uh, least privilege, um, which says that any entity that interacts with the system, whether that entity is a person uh, or a process running on a machine, should have the least privilege necessary to perform its functions. And the point is that anything or anyone can potentially be compromised. And when the thing that's compromised has the keys to the kingdom, you can have pretty big problems from that. So that's why uh, 
when you're logged in as, uh, if you're not logged in as root, you have to use sudo for commands that require root privileges and you get prompted for the password um, when you do that. And again, if you're not um, in the sudoers file as a user that's authorized to do it, then you get rejected. So, you know, really everything in security comes down to that uh, least privilege principle. The problems occur when someone or something gets out of the boundaries of the privileges they're supposed to have. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Thanks for that description, uh, Tim. That's really helpful. And with all of that in mind, then what do we know about the recent privilege escalation vulnerability that was reported last week? Well, first thing we know is it has an awesome name, uh, Baron Samedit, same edit, however you want to say it. Uh, but in case you're not up to date with your Haitian uh, voodoo deities or Loa. This is a pun on uh, one of them called Baron Samadhi or Baron Saturday, who's the spirit of the dead, who's this very colorful trickster, troublemaker, foul-mouthed uh, kind of personage. Um, and the pun here is on a command called sudo edit, which is uh, a key part of the picture here. So if we step back, this is a buffer overflow vulnerability where the system accepts input where it shouldn't. And the reason that happens in this case has to do with uh, the escape character, the backslash. So normally backslash uh, escapes special characters for control or logic, like the exclamation mark that acts as a null. But due to the flaw in this uh, CVE plus a second flaw in sudo edit, um, if the command line argument that the user is sending ends in an unescaped backslash, the system will accept input beyond there, something it's not supposed to do. An attacker can use that to overwrite memory uh, with an arbitrary buffer size. So if you run sudo edit with the dash s or dash i arguments on an unpatched system, this bypasses the automatic special character escaping that sudo is supposed to do. And that's the point at which um, arbitrary uh, data can be written into memory and problems happen from there. Turns into a sudo-don't, sounds like. Absolutely. <laughs> well, so then what is what is the results or impact? I mean, this, does, this certainly does not sound great. <laughs> yeah, I, essentially, so this is a privilege escalation flaw and it can theoretically give an attacker control over the system in question. And then things can potentially cascade from there, right? It's it's generally a bad thing when somebody gets control of a system they're not supposed to have control over. And depending on what that system is or what network segment it's on, it can be an extremely bad thing. Um, there is a little bit of uh, mitigation to the severity of this, which is kind of a two-part thing. Number one, the attacker needs local access to the system. And two, the system needs to have a file called sudoers, which I was talking about before, that determines which users on the system have sudo privileges. But the thing is, a vast majority of Unix systems will have that file, and there are lots of ways to get access to a system. So uh, I would say don't take too much comfort in that mitigation. But, uh, you know, this is, this is something certainly to pay attention to. And that really leads to my final question, Tim, which is what should you do um, or what should your organization do if it leverages sudo to minimize the risk of this uh, escalating? Yeah. For so <laughs> first off, I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily think of it as leveraging sudo. And, and the reason I'm saying that is that that is just a, a function in uh, Unix-based systems. So almost every organization 
has something in there running some flavor of Unix, probably lots of somethings, if it's an organization of any size. And that whatever those systems are, they probably include sudo and the sudoers file. So um, even if you don't regularly use that command, uh, pretty much all the Unix variants uh, support it. So this applies to basically some value of everyone. Um, and what you need to do about it is patch. Um, there are patches uh, for a bunch of distributions that are already out. Uh, we'll probably see some more of them in the coming days. So this one is, is patchable and folks should definitely do that. You know how in sports games, if like the home team scores so many touchdowns or goals or hits so many runs, everybody gets like a taco. Um, I think there should be something like that with us bringing up patching. I think everybody, if we bring it up at oh, least right. four times a quarter, everybody yeah, should win get a fabulous tacos. prize. They could win a, a, a burrito. A burrito. Yeah, it's a good idea. It's perfect. <laughs> Chad, you are not able to participate, to be clear. So you can't just bring up patching so you get a burrito. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to swipe one from the original delivery. Anyways, <laughs> you'll never know. Son of a... <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, Tim, thank you for that really detailed run through of, of what's happened here. And Chad, with all of that in mind, what would you rate this from a hoodie perspective? You know, I would normally with a vulnerability like this, um, think that I would rate it a little bit higher. However, because it does require local access um, on Unix uh, and because if you have user access on most Linux boxes today, because um, everyone disables SE Linux and everything else, um, you almost always, it's pretty trivial to get root access. Um, so I would probably put this actually at maybe a six out of 10. Like it's, it's a problem. It'll be patched, but there's a lot of other places where there's a, you know, a, a binary that has the set UID bit set that, um, you know, you can manipulate in some way or another to do what you want and, and um, get your privileges escalated. So um, it just seems like yet another thing in, uh, you know, on a Linux box where that can happen. Kind of grading on a curve. Yeah. This, this is this is fairly bad, but there's stuff out there that's worse. Yeah, I would be more afraid, like, if, a, if a, from a, like, login prompt, like a TTY prompt, you could just, um, you know, mash a bunch of keys and magically log in. Um, or if, you know, like I think of, uh, what was, what was it called so long ago now? Um, you were able to just like spam a remote service and it, if it cut out to bash at all, it would, Oh my God. Shell shock. There we go. Whew. Wow. It's been years. Um, uh, but like that was a truly terrifying, uh, bug. So. Well, Tim, what, what do you think after hearing Chad's analysis? Yeah, I uh I was going to say 5, so we're we're kind of in the same territory generally here. Uh good to know that this is patched. Um I imagine that uh given some time to think about it, we could probably come up with examples of where um users exist that are not necessarily administrative type users, but they're users by virtue of some function of the system that um that they, you know, people have access to so that they could escalate from there. But uh, 
it's patched um and uh it's a little bit it's a little bit esoteric so yeah I, i'm gonna call it five out of ten and the the severity will be going down fairly quickly in the sense that uh, the patches are out there <laughs> the patches are out there the truth is out there well excellent and <laughs> uh tim i should have said i'd like to hear your thoughts after chad responded to your analysis with his analysis and then what's your analysis so much analysis um anyway let's move on to our final segment which is always fun two truths and a lie and so the way this game works just like two truths and a lie the old-fashioned game but rather than talking about ourselves um chad's actually going to be providing three article titles two of which are true one of which is a lie and uh tim and i are gonna gonna try to sniff it out and of course, there is a point system, so there's some some skin in the game here. Mm, maybe they're all lies this week. Chad? <laughs> maybe they're all true. He's going to Obayashi Maru this uh, whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm changing all of my points in the document right now to whatever makes me win. But um, <laughs> all right, let's do this thing. Um, Article title number one, DocuSign-themed Bizarre Loader campaign strikes again. Article number two, kids find security vulnerability in Linux Mint by smashing keys at login. And article number three, DigitalOcean latest identified victim of SolarWinds supply chain attack. Hmm. I know I've heard of definitely one of these, which I know is true. I don't know. Kelsey, are you going first or am I going first? Depends on where the solar winds blow us, Tim. <laughs> See, we knew we wouldn't entirely escape that topic in this episode. <laughs> we were so close, Chad. <laughs> mm. I... I think I'm going to go with the lie being the, uh, what was the third one? Digital Ocean, latest identified victim of SolarWinds supply chain attack. See, the problem with that one is if that's your lie, it's going to be true like, you know, tomorrow. So <laughs> that's the average. that one tricky. We're in like an Oklahoma dust bowl. Uh, situation here with the solar winds just keep coming through and that's right um, <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna go with number three is a lie i know there's a new bizarre loader campaign i actually don't remember for sure about the docusign angle but uh definitely sounds quite they all sound plausible anyway put me down for number three i'll hope for the best I'm in the same boat as you, Tim. That's what that's what I'm thinking. I feel like I haven't seen that particular vendor in the news yet, but like you said, that could change. Um, we might be saying it next week as a truth. So, yeah, that's that's my final guess as well. Mm. Bummer. <laughs> You're both correct. That is the lie this week. Set. Chad Baca. Oh, uh, you know, I, I don't, um, I don't <laughs> wookie yell on command. 
<laughs> totally. those, those days are over. You have to those talk to the agent over. about it now. Yeah, I have to get paid for it. Oh my gosh, there goes the yeah. quota for me trying to get you to make some specific sound during the episode. <laughs> we still hit on it naturally, it came up organically. Oh my gosh, well, yeah, it's, um, man, all right, well, we've... Uh, By the way, I love the, the one about the kids that found that <clears throat> Linux keyboard smash vulnerability. I thought that was an awesome story. Yeah, that is great. Um, I, I also just chuckled, that's why I had to put it in there. Darn kids. Good work. Youths. Youths. <laughs> well, excellent. I think that's all we have for this week. We hope to see you next week. Um, again, please tweet at, at Chad with any burrito photos. I think it would just make his week. It would. It would indeed. Spotted, spotted in the wild. Yeah. <laughs> Nat Gito burritos. Yeah. Just let him know how much he can fit in there. Like, if it really can replace the Utilicilt, he needs to know that. Yeah. I think it does fit two burritos, which, uh, you know, that seems pretty good. That seems really inclusive. Like, a burrito yeah. for you and your friend. Like, like end to end or side by side? <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a really great question um, that I hadn't even, I haven't even thought to really investigate. Yeah, hopefully they don't smash each other in there. Right. You've given us a lot to think about, Chad. <laughs> deep thoughts, deep thoughts. Deep thoughts. Well, on that note, I'm going to go make some tacos, and we'll see you next week on Breaking Badness. Bye. Adios, amigos. <laughs> That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.